Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and today it's my pleasure to be speaking with Gerilyn Zavada, who is a former award-winning author at the Times newspaper in Ottawa and the current author of the newspaper column Spirit Matters, where she examines spirituality. And you can contact her at jzblue, that's B-L-U-E, 33 at yahoo.com to share how you engage your spirit in your life and your community. Gerilyn, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much, Paul. I'm really happy to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to be to share in this conversation today. Of course, the pleasure is all mine. And so I've read some of your work, and you speak beautifully about the Holy Spirit often guiding your words in your columns. How do I allow the Holy Spirit to guide my words more often, though? Because I would like to speak like you as eloquently, as gracefully. <laughs> How do you get in touch with the Holy Spirit, so to speak? Well, for me, and I know this is going to sound a little bit countercultural, but it does go back in, in various religious traditions, and it's especially highlighted in the Catholic traditions way back. But I practice silence and solitude regularly. Um, I do listen for the voice of God, um, I guess. And I don't mean in, in terms of God, like, speaking out aloud, but I— um, I just hearken back to Psalm 46, verse 10, which says, Be still and know that I am God. And I sort of, that came to me when I lived here in Bloomington years ago, and I was going through a difficult time. I was working at one of the insurance companies here, and I was living on my own and having some personal issues. And I used to walk regularly, and I was walking one evening after work and just kind of everything was going crazy in my head, and I just couldn't think straight. And then all of a sudden, that verse kind of just came to mind out of nowhere. And I was raised Catholic. I'm very, I'm still practicing Catholic. And I'm sure I heard it at some point because I, I mean, I went to daily mass when I was in grade school and, but I never remembered hearing it before. And so it was kind of like hearing it for the first time. And so those words, be still and know that I am God from Psalm 4610 have guided me since then. Um, I was in my 20s then, and I'm going to be 50 here shortly, and I look back and I see how that verse has really guided my life. Mm -hmm. And we were speaking before we started uh, recording here about when you turn down the voice or the volume of the outside world, you kind of more or less turn up the volume of God, so it seems. When you silence the chaos in your mind, you let the the beautiful sound of the Holy Spirit kind of you know, fill your fill your head a little more. What does your solitude look like? How do you kind of quiet down the outside world in order so that you can think better and let the Holy Spirit guide your words more? Well, I'm fortunate that I live in the house that I grew up in uh, with my mom, my elderly mom. Um, my dad uh, was born there. The house has been in the family for over a hundred years. And we're fortunate that we have a good size backyard. And so currently, I a lot of times, especially with the nice weather, I sit on the deck. I'll, I'll get up in the morning and go sit out on the deck. And, and I'm to the point now where I can I can f- be fairly still. I mean, it's, it's an ongoing process. You don't just suddenly arrive one day where you can just instantly be quiet because it's just something that we have that. You know, there's a term out there called the monkey mind, where we're just going from one thought to another. So it takes practice, but that's one thing I, I find. Um, I find that nature really is 
um, a good thing for me. And, and I actually, it's been that way my whole life. I grew up with my, um, extended family lives in the country in the Toluca Winona area. And, um, so I spent my childhood running around, you know, farm, their farms and, you know, playing out in the yard. And so I learned early on how to listen to, um, to watch the trees blow in the breeze and to kind of, kind of listen to that. And, um, and I would say they're more, it's the trees and how they behave and everything is representative of an aspect of, we can't define God. Mm-hmm. God is too big for us to define, no matter what kind of word we use, but we can experience some of his um, enormity um, through some of our daily experiences. That's extremely fascinating. That I think, you know, a talented writer like yourself and a poet like yourself, I don't know if you're a poet, but you seem to be poetic in the way you speak. It takes someone like you to articulate these extremely almost intellectual concepts, you know, that yes, we see God in nature in some way. We experience the enormity of God. Like I wouldn't have thought to say, form the sentence like that, but no, it's, it's really a beautiful thing. And I've heard, I don't know who said it. I wish I did that a lot of man's humankind's problems stem from man's inability to sit alone, alone in his room for an extended period period of time. Some of us don't like the silence. Some of us don't maybe like to be still and know that God is God. Why do you think that is? And do you think that's problematic that some people just, they prefer not to be in silence? Do you think maybe some people could stand to to be silent and be still a little more often? Oh, absolutely. But I, my heart goes out to them because I know for me, when I, excuse me, when I first started being silent, um, a lot of things come up in your mind. You know, a lot of things you don't want to face about yourself. You're faced with your your flaws, your weaknesses. Um, you're faced with all that. And you, you, you're faced with maybe the um, brokenness in your relationships and the difficulties in your life. And, and you'd rather just push that out of the way and maybe go turn on a movie, Netflix, or turn on the web or whatever. Um, but if you stick with it, if you if you stick with it and you practice it on a regular basis, even if it's just for five minutes a day starting out and maybe working your way up to 15 or 20 minutes a day at a time, those voices start to fade. Those those worries start to fade and you start to experience a deep and profound peace. And that's how I've always been told, like, you know, when something is coming from God, when, when you feel a, a profound peace and you know, if it's coming from elsewhere, then you're going to feel agitated and nervous and maybe not that we don't feel nervous sometimes anyway, especially if we have anxiety issues. That's a whole nother thing. But for the most part, when God presents an opportunity for you or when God's speaking to you, you're going to feel a sense of profound peace. And of course, you would need to test that against um, the teachings of the church that, you know, the Holy Spirit what we know about that, you would need to test it against those things. But normally that's what it is. And, and God wants to talk to us. God wants to communicate with us. Um, And he does that through silence. Mm -hmm. And I've heard it be said, you know, you're the master of words here between the two of us, but the etymology of the word devil comes from diabolos. I believe that's Greek and I believe it means to scatter, right? And so you can look at your thoughts and you can look at a society, you can look at a lot of things. And if you see division, 
chaos, uh, you know, mystery, not knowing anything, you can pretty much assume that the devil is at work in that situation. Then the polar opposite of that is unity, harmony, and peace. And it's very interesting hearing you say that, you know, when, when you feel that peace, you kind of know that God, you're, you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, so to speak. I think that's really profound. And speaking of being silent, and that's when some dark thoughts might come up because you're finally facing them, a good way to get, the only way to get through dark thoughts and scary things, you have to get past them, you have to work through them, you have to first face them. And a great way to not work through any of your problems, those deep, buried down, terrible things that are just growing the less you look at them, a good way to make sure that they continue to grow and ruin your life is to not acknowledge them and to distract yourself with things like Netflix, etc. And so was it difficult for you to sort through those things? Was it scary? Well, like I said, when I first started the practice, I was going through, and, and I would have to say the practice evolved over time. Um, but yes, it's it's it is scary to face those things. But knowing that you're going into it, knowing that you're in God's presence in that silence, and and recognizing that God is always there, no matter what, even when we think He's absent even in the midst of all of our crazy chaos in our mind, knowing that God is there makes it possible to slowly work through that discombobulation, if you want to call it that. And and you do stick with it. And the more you are quiet and the more you listen, the more you start recognizing God's presence around you and you start getting kind of reassurances or you start noticing like I guess a, a word is like synchronicities mm. you start noticing things where if if you're if the ears of your heart I think that's I think that's the most the key ears thing here. of your heart I you like have that. to you have to live in this world through your heart if you're going to be receptive to the presence of God mm. and uh, one of my favorite authors is Henry Nowen. he's a late priest he's a very popular spiritual writer one of the early books that I found when I lived down here and found it in Barnes and Noble, and I still have it and still refer to it, is called The Way of the Heart. And it's a very slim volume. He actually wrote it for people who are in the ministry because they have they have all kinds of responsibilities and sometimes their prayer life suffers because they've got responsibilities and meetings. And from this book, he basically said, look, I know you've got all this stuff to do, but you have to make this a priority. You have to make silence, solitude, and prayer a priority, or you're not going to be effective in what you're doing. And so that's that's kind of where I go at it from, and like I said, kind of approach the world from the aspect of the heart, which I think in today's world— well, kind of like you were saying, um, the devil divides by all the chaos and the noise and division, and obviously that's rampant mm -hmm. in our society today. And so that is, and I think a lot of times we approach things like if you go, turn on talk radio, it's constant talk, 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 analyze this, analyze that, mudsling this, mudsling that. Mm -hmm. But, um, and that's coming from a, a more analytical point of view, but uh, living from the heart, which is, kind of a more feminine aspect, which mm -hmm. John Paul II wrote about the feminine genius, which I've read about that, and there's so much there. It's, it's really a beautiful um, beautiful thought that he has there, and it's there's a lot there. But it's more of a feminine energy, and 
before anybody kind of like, we all have masculine and feminine energies within, within us, mm-hmm. you know, um, and it's a matter of knowing when to use those, knowing when to approach the world, using like when we're in our jobs, usually we're working from a masculine energy standpoint. We're getting it done. We're doing what needs to be done. We're achieving. We're accomplishing. And the feminine energy is more receptive, intuitive, open to um, helping others and listening mm-hmm. on a holistic basis. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting what you're saying right here. And some people might not like the sound of it at first, you know, when they're like, hey, what you talking? That sounds freaky. Right. But, you know, it, it's very, very interesting you talk about the feminine temperament and the male temperament or the masculine temperament. And if you look at the numbers, it's very interesting to see which fields are dominated by women and which fields are dominated by men. The men really love the engineering and the mm-hmm. hand, the less personal uh, fields of work. And women seem to love things like nursing and caregiving and the personal relationships, etc. But before we move on here, I mean, we could really dive down a million rabbit holes here. Let the people know, what is the theme of your writing, your column? You're a passionate writer, you're gifted, and what what is the theme, again, of your writing? Well, my main goal with writing Spirit Matters is to reach as wide of an audience as I can. I focus on what unifies us and not what divides. We all have common experiences. We've all lost. We've all grieved. We all struggle. Um, we have family issues. And I try to talk about and reach those things based on some of my own experiences so that people can relate to it and recognize, hey, I'm not the only one here that's that's feeling this way. There's Everybody else out there feels this way too. That's key for me because I've gone through different periods of my life where I felt really alone. And it would have helped a lot if somebody would have just said, hey, I, I get it. I've been there. And that in itself is healing, I think. It's a, it's a feminine thing. It's just nurturing somebody and saying, hey, it's okay. You know, we all have these kinds of struggles. And if we just stay focused on the fact that there's something bigger out there um, helping us and guiding us and loving us, then that that's what I like to focus on. Right. I feel like there's a God-sized hole in everyone's heart. And if you don't fill that hole with God himself, the only thing that can truly fill it, you're constantly striving and searching for something to fill that, which can lead to, you know, the desire to be in a relationship because you think that'll, you know, completely complete you. Maybe the desire to make so much money because you think that will complete you, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that that can be a problem? We're going to talk about singleness here in a little bit, but the desire to to have someone, the desire to be completed by another human. Is that a problem? And do you think that's common in America at least? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, um, you know, those are things that I, I, I kind of had to work through when I was younger. And even till now, it's, you have to find your, like you said, there's a God-sized hole in each of us. And you have to find your completeness and your identity in the fact that God made you uniquely for a purpose. And, you're not going to be you're not going to be fulfilled or satisfied until you're doing what you were sent here to do and in order to do that you have to take time out and um get connected with god listen for his still small voice and um then after that once you have established that bond and you're doing the work of god then you're ready for you have to be a complete person 
mm. and yourself. Nobody's going to be able to complete you. So you have to be a complete person mm. and before you can be in a healthy and mature relationship. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You shouldn't... What? What is that? Sorry. Oh, is that your phone? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm like... Okay. Anyway, that comes through on this thing a little bit, but all right. Uh, what was I saying? Because, okay. Yeah. So it seems like it's just a bad idea to enter into a relationship when you can barely stand on your own stably, you know, you, to go into a relationship and need them in order to stand up at all, you know, you use them as a crutch. It's just a bad idea, you right. know, and we're about to go to break, but I want to ask you in just one second about, you know, singleness and maybe even the virtues that come with singleness, because I'm sure it's not all. Some people are really bummed out that they can't find a significant other, but some people I think grow stronger and they do more for the world when they are single. And I want to ask you about that in just one second. But first, here's a quick word from our beloved sponsors. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks. Others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link or call 866-628-CARS. All right, and we are back. This is Paul Garcia. I'm here with Geraldine Zavada on Catholic Conversations. Geraldine, we were just talking about singleness, and maybe there can be some virtue in being single. You can do more good even in some situations when you're single, and it's imperative that you be okay with being single before you jump into a relationship. And a, a quote that I've heard you say or read that you've written is, Cultural and social pressures often push people into forcing things with the person they think they are meant to be with. And many times the situation only ends with shattered hearts. That's profound. And I think that's completely true. How can we as Catholics avoid, and Christians more generally, avoid the trap these pressures set and better assess whether someone is a good fit for us or not, because heaven forbid we wind up with the wrong person and we think we need them and society pushes us into that. So how do we avoid that trap and find someone that's really good for us? Well, I think it's, it's, it is an issue right now. It's really hard because every, everywhere we turn, we're hearing voices that are, that are contrary to being happy with being single. And I think when I was, um, Younger, I mean, I know, again, this is kind of countercultural, but I embraced my singleness because there was so much I, w- I wanted to learn about myself. I wanted to learn who I was. And, and I knew there were a lot of things that I wasn't ready to be in a relas- relationship because you do have to be okay with yourself and you do have to accept that you have flaws and that whoever you end up with is going to be flawed and they're not going to be able to save you. Nobody can save you. Um, but God, you know, God is our our primary reason for existence and what we're we're destined for, mm-hmm. and so we're not gonna we're not gonna find that um, we're not going to find that acceptance or that completeness anywhere else, regardless of whether it's a relationship or a hobby or whatever. 
or a job or whatever. And so um, I find that you kind of learn to, once you, once you're okay with being on your own and finding kind of the freedom in that, the freedom to find yourself, the freedom to learn about who you are and what your strengths are, then you can really just kind of dive into it and just, you know, go out there. I know I've spoken before about how some people um, explore the outer world as an adventure. But I think a lot of people don't realize that there's this whole interior world Mm -hmm. and it's so beautiful. It really is. And there's just so much there. And, and, but people aren't aware of it because there's so much noise. Mm -hmm. But when you're single, you have an opportunity if you, if you, want to, and if you um, turn your attention toward that, you have an opportunity to kind of find this this interior world. And and it's just as I like to say, you know, we all know how, you know, scientists tell us that the universe is constantly expanding and we can't even fathom that, how big the universe is. But I like to say that inside we have just as big of an expansive universe going on and we can never exhaust our search for the divine love. God is infinite. So, you know, just as much as people go outside and go traveling to, to experience new things, we can go inside and constantly new, learn new things about ourselves, but also about other people and the world just by, for me, it was like, I do a lot of reading and um, centering prayer, contemplative prayer, I should say, um, which includes uh, an ancient form of um, prayer called Lexio Divina, which is basically holy reading, sacred reading. And it's a way of reading the Bible where instead of trying to analyze what's, what that particular book, the historical context of it, you, you sit with it and you just read a passage slowly and you read it through like four times, but like the first time you read it, you kind of read through it and you think about what, what word or phrase kind of stuck out to me and you kind of sit with that for a little bit and then you read it through again and so on. And by the time you're done, you kind of, you pray and kind of have a conversation with God about, you know, what does this mean for me? And, but it's a very beautiful way of praying because I think a lot of people um, approach the Bible from a, you know, they're trying to learn, um, you know, in a kind of a textbook way about who God is, but there's this whole other side of reading it where you can sit there and and once you experience it, it really is, you, God speaks to your heart through those words and in a very unique way in your personal experience. And so, and you learn about yourself that way while you're single, you know, if you, if you take that opportunity. And so it's, it's just really, like I said, it's countercultural. It's something that people probably, you know, a lot of people would be out there, you know, smirking at it or whatever, but um, it really is a, a rich way to live. And then once you get to that point where you realize that you're complete in yourself, you're complete in um, your relationship with God, then you can be open and receptive to God leading you to your partner who you're, who is meant for you and who is, you know, has their flaws and weaknesses just like you. But when you're in a mature relationship, you work through that and you, um, you don't expect your partner to be perfect. You don't expect your partner to save you. Um, but you're able to converse in a mature style and 
solve problems together and, you know, be in it for the long haul, be committed to it. Right, 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 right. What you're saying is so beautiful and so profound, really. And I spoke earlier about I just love, I really get a kick out of someone like you who is able to articulate these more or less metaphysical, almost spiritual-like experiences. And you said, basically what you said was the adventure of exploring the internal self can be just as, if not more, riveting than exploration of the outside world. And it makes sense. I mean, both were created by God after all, but the internal, the exploration of oneself, that is very cool. But I think it's also a little risky because you don't know what you're going to uncover in your exploration. That might be very, very uncomfortable. And it seems like you want to say something about that. So before my next question, what do you have to say about that? Well, I was just going to say that's true. You are going to encounter things that that are going to make you uncomfortable. But if you're exploring your internal world um, rooted in God, rooted in the ground of our being, then you'll be able to work your way through those, um, those things that bother you. And so I think that's, that's key. It's just, you know, if you're going to explore your internal world, you have to be doing it from a, um, from a healthy, positive place. Right. And not from maybe a, a, a darker side or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, that's basically what therapy and counseling are, is just going through, sorting through your mess with the help of someone right. who kind of keeps it in a positive framework so you don't go beating yourself up too much. And But yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly scary to explore your internal self, especially if you've you know that you've experienced some trauma or you have some baggage or you have some dark thoughts in there. No, but I think we would all do a tremendous amount of good for ourselves if we would just sit in silence a little longer and see what's in there and hopefully and pray that the Holy Spirit guides us through that mess, you know. And, you know, we're talking about singleness and the beauty of being single, but you just turn. You're about to turn fifty. You said, and you said that, not me. So I'm not some jerk saying, you know, women's ages or anything. But you're gonna get married here soon. Yeah, which means that you're not you're not single. Right. But you were for a while. I was. Yeah. Where do yeah. we start here? What was it like being single up until your you know your your late forties or mid forties? If I have my timeline correct, what was that like? Well, I mean, I just like I said, I just kind of. In my early um, adulthood, I just I just embraced my I moved to Bloomington Normal from Streeter, which is where I grew up, and I lived on my own. And I had friends down here that were going to college from Streeter, so that made it a little easier to transition into that. But um, at some point, I just um, with circumstances in my work life and personal life, I um, I was just drawn into this this sense of wanting to find out who I was and why I was here and to really, um, I really learned more about who God is as, as love, um, versus what I was, my early education. I I went to a Catholic grade school. And, um, so I was taught the basics about, you know, God loving us or, you know, being Mm -hmm. God who he is. But then, when I got to be an adult is when I learned that, Hey, yeah, you can have a, a personal relationship with God. And, um, so I was just, I, I loved being single. I love the independence of it. And, and actually to tell you the truth, um, God humbled me in a big way or, or life humbled me in a big way because 
everything was going along fine. And um, then in like at the end of 2004, I hit a big roadblock. I, um, I was hospitalized for severe anxiety and depression. And so um, everything that I had um, built down here in terms of like my job, my self image, everything, I lost all that. And I, I moved home with my parents. And so um, the rest of my, since then, I've been kind of, okay, you know, starting over from scratch. And it's funny because, you know, I moved from Streeter here and I thought, well, there's so much opportunity down there, you know. And even like a few months before I ended up having to move home, I was writing in my journal and I said something like, you know, I really like it here. I can't imagine ever moving back to Streeter. Well, a few months later, you know, I was forced to. And um, so I was kind of starting over and it was kind of like, um, it was kind of like, okay, now I have to let go of my ego and I have really have to let, let myself be guided. And because I really didn't have the, the emotional strength to, to go out there and just make things happen, you know, and I was recovering from, from, you know, that being severely depressed and anxious and getting kind of the med, the right medical combination and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I really didn't start, and I, I wanted to add this too, because we talked about silence and solitude and working through those things with God, but it's very important, and I found this out personally, you can't just depend on that. You do. We're, we are social beings, <laughs> and we do need each other, and I really didn't start um, kind of, I really didn't start really getting back into the swing of things until I reached out and got therapy, counseling, and talk through some of the old things that I've carried with me my whole life and had somebody just kind of mirroring back that mirroring back to me, um, my goodness, and yet acknowledging that these things were there. So I do want to say that we do need each other. I'm not trying to say that we should go off and live in a hermitage by ourselves. Right. But um, anyway, that was... Um, it's been a learning experience being, being single. And, and then also on the good side, you know, having the opportunity to, to work for the times because I've always loved writing. I've always wanted to be a writer and I never would have thought that I would find that opportunity moving back to my small hometown versus being down here. And yet since I moved home, I've had all these opportunities to write um, not only as a reporter, but my column to participate in um, renewal programs at my parish, to give talks, um, spiritual talks, um, and to do those kinds of things. I, 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 those doors have opened up by moving home. And um, by finally, in the right time, God's timing is perfect. And um, then, you know, it, when all that has come to be, then God introduced this person into my life. And, and, you know, the, the tendency is to kind of try to make that happen to try to, you know, but it's interesting because between the time we first saw each other, we met after, um, the four streeter Catholic parishes consolidated, consolidated mm -hmm. in 2010. And he had gone to another parish. I grew up in one parish and he grew up in another parish and streeter is not a big town, right. but, and we're only two years 
separate in age. Mm-hmm. You went to the same high school, we didn't you? We just school. never met each other. We never met each other. And we, we grew up five blocks away from each other. That's ridiculous. I, I mean, seeing him in church was like seeing a stranger. I never knew him before. Mm-hmm. And But the first time I saw him, I was kind of like, hmm, you know. But we're both, I mean, I might be talking on here and I might have a way with words mm-hmm. on paper, but we're both very shy. And so neither one of us would kind of make the move. And so that was like the first time we kind of saw each other was 2010. And we didn't really officially start dating until um, last year, 2021. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After years of uh, silent yeah. mutual Facebook stalking, exactly, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's the way. I, so, you know, I like to say social media isn't all bad. God can mm-hmm. use anything to work his... Um, his plans, right? You know, yeah. Social media is a medium for information or a channel for information to flow. What that information is exactly is for you to determine. Exactly, it can be good, it can be inspiring or bad. And I want to say thank you for vulnerably sharing your experience with. I mean, ex- anxiety and depression. That was vulnerable of you, and that can inspire a lot of people because you made it through. And not only that, but your life even got way better after that. It's a, it's a really remarkable story. And I would like to ask. What's something that you want men and women who are maybe, you know, I don't know, is it middle age? Is that 30s and 40s and stuff? I don't want to get it wrong. but uh, 40s. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah. So for them who are single, and there's more of them than we realize, what would you like to say to them? Um, because some of them, although you weren't, you know, too worried about, you know, I got to find someone. Right. Some of them are. Maybe they are, maybe they do feel incomplete without someone else because they don't understand something. Maybe what do they need to understand, do you think? Well, first I want to say I I, I can resonate with that because there was a part of me that even though I was, I was, you know, happy learning about myself and learning about the world, there was a part of me that, you know, am I going to grow all alone? And, you know, my mom... <laughs> as mothers do, she would be like, well, maybe that's not what God has planned for you, you know, as far as meeting somebody. And it's like, that's the last thing you want to hear when, you know, when you're wondering if you're going to die alone. And um, so I would just say, um, you know, be patient. Um, First of all, recognize, like I was talking about earlier, recognize that you're complete in yourself. You don't need somebody else to complete you. Um, and you know, I, I guess I should add as a side note, you know, we do read in the book of Genesis about, um, man and woman completing each other. And yes, there is that, um, there is that thing where, well, kind of like we were talking about before the masculine and feminine energies, they're both necessary and they both, they, um, they help each other become who they fully are. But you don't necessarily, God didn't design everybody to be married. You know, there's, some of us have purposes in life that aren't, um, aren't for that. And that's fine. You know, the key is to find your fulfillment in who you are, what, what your, um, the good things God has given you, the, the, the way you help, um, the way you help, um, other people in the world, find your purpose in making a better difference in the world, um, and that to me is very satisfying. Right. And then, and then once you do that, then you're able to go into a mature relationship and share that and 
and, and live, you know, I'm going into a different phase of life now, you know, before I was always kind of on my own and could do what I want. And now I'm being called to go into a different phase of my life. And so that's going to be, you know, it'll be an adjustment, but, um, based on where I've been so far. Um, and like I said, God has perfect timing. So, um, you just have to let it happen naturally. And like we were talking before about that, that sense of complete, um, peace Hmm. and, you, you just gotta not force things and let things happen as God wants them to happen. Kind of be at peace with your lack of control of how things are going to uh, play out. And I want to, we're going to go to break really quick and I want to come back and I want to talk about how to figure out what exactly it is that God wants for you. You know, this is a hard thing to discern. Maybe it's a life of singleness. Maybe it's, it's, uh, you know, joining the priesthood or something. Maybe it's being married. And I also want to talk about, you know, some of the dangers maybe of being too isolated in all things. There's balances required. Exactly. But first, here's a quick message from some of our beloved sponsors. You're listening to Catholic Conversations on Catholic Spirit Radio. Listeners support Catholic Spirit Radio in many different ways. Some write checks, others use credit cards. But did you know that you can also give Catholic Spirit Radio your old car, truck, boat, motorcycle, or RV, even if it's not working? Donating your vehicle is easy. We take care of everything from pickup to tax receipt. Just go to CatholicSpiritRadio.com to click on the Donate Your Vehicle link. Or call 866-628-CARS. All right, and we are back. This is Catholic Conversations. I'm your host, Paul Garcia, and I'm here with Geraldine Zavada. Geraldine, during the break, you said something. I said we better start recording again because you said a really great quote about the dark times in our lives. You spoke about your anxiety and depression leaving you hospitalized, and we talked about one of my guests on the Paul Garcia show, Father Adam, and his uh, experience with depression and the great stuff that somehow came out of the darkest times in his life. What was that quote again that you just said? Well, last week I came across a, a quote by a spiritual writer named Mirabai Star, and she, she explores the women mystics, which is huge for me. I find a great deal of strength in like Teresa of Avila, Hildegard of Bingen, Catherine of Siena, um, Julian of Norwich, um, Teresa of Lisieux, all of these saints, they're very relevant to our age. But um, Mirabai had a comment that's... Um, she said, sometimes in the spiritual life, we're lucky if God plunges us into darkness. And that's paraphrasing it. But I find that absolutely true in my life. When I saw those words, I was like, absolutely. Because, boy, I wouldn't have like really wished, <clears throat> wished the darkness that I went through on anyone. But looking from looking into hindsight, I can see how much it formed my, my spirit and my, my spirituality and it's made me much more open-hearted and much more um, empathetic to people and recognizing that, hey, you know, we're in a time where, like, everybody is, like, just yelling at each other over everything. And people don't even think about, like, how their words and stuff, even their written words on social media, they don't think before they they speak or before they write, and they don't realize how deeply damaging their words can be. I think that's one thing that I wanted to kind of touch on too, is just how very powerful the tongue is. And I think there's a, there's a passage in the letter of St. James that talks about it. And 
um, people don't realize how how destructive their words can be. Our words can be used to like totally lift people up, but they can also be used to destroy. So I think that just knowing that um, having been through what I was, what I've been through um, and feeling that darkness and that emptiness and like feeling abandoned and alone um, and, and immersing myself in my spirituality, even when God felt like he wasn't there, it makes you feel like um, God does, God does some of his best work in the darkness. Right. How interesting is that? It's like, the worst times of your life, they will happen, literally. You yep. will have a worst time of your life. You will go through immense suffering. And it's so strange almost, but it's not surprising that God, if you have a faith in God, if you have, the, even I'll go as far as to say the Catholic faith specifically, if that's with you and that's part of your psyche and your understanding of things, Christ is the catalyst that can bring about a metamorphosis if when you go through something like being hospitalized for depression and anxiety. The worst times, if you have God, it's somehow going to blossom into something beautiful. Somehow, you know, from the ashes, a flower will, will blossom. And if you don't have God, there's a chance that that can break down the whole thing right down to the foundation and you got nothing. And then your life doesn't get better after that. You don't learn from it. You don't see the good that came out of that. And it's just, it's almost unfair that us Christians, you know, we have God and that can give us the strength to respond to those terrible circumstances with grace and somehow come out better people. But what do you think about that? Do you think that God's necessary to make the best come about from a terrible situation? Or do you think it's just a nice tool to have? Well, I mean, for me, it's been an absolute necessity because if I was going through all that with, if I was going through all those experiences without um, my faith that there's something greater than me holding me in existence, mm-hmm. then what would the purpose of it, what would the purpose of it have been? Mm-hmm. You know, it would have been like just useless, but I just held on to that. I held on to the, and I was, I was fortunate too, I would have to say, because, um, and some people may disagree, but I was raised from, from, I was baptized as a baby. Both my parents' sides of the family were large Catholic families. And so I was, I was raised with that sense of, um, forming your conscience and kind of recognizing what's right and what's wrong as far as not hurting other people and and taking care of yourself, respecting yourself and your body and that kind of thing. So I was kind of fortunate with that. And, um, mm. you know, that's that kind of gives you that that foundation. And I I see kind of around me in some in some, you know, places in the world that it, it seems like people don't have that that foundation anymore. And so they don't know which direction to go and they don't have that to, to turn to. And, and I'm not, I'm not here to tell everybody that you have to do things, that, you know, that you have to believe in everything I believe, but, you know, realizing that, that God is real. And, and I know there's obviously there's no way to prove it. You know, there's people out there. Well, you know, but, <laughs> maybe not prove straight up, but there's a lot of evidence. Well, and know. for the, and for those of us who have faith, mm-hmm. and you know, we may not be able to prove it, but there's so many times in our lives that we we can point to and say that was God working in my life, mm-hmm. and because we know, like, it goes back to the interior life. You have all these feelings and things that you're experiencing in life, and God knows all that uniquely. We're all like, God knows all of us down to the hair on our heads, like it says, and so. Um, 
those things are like, um, we, we know all those things and hmm? I kind of lost my thought. <laughs> well, well you're, you're talking about, well, let's see here. Well, first of all, knowing God and having your faith, it seems to have helped you tremendously in your, you know, in the anxiety and depression. Yeah. Kind of. The, and I asked you, do you think it's just nice to have or is it necessary? Well, I was just, I think I, I remembered what I was saying. It's like, for those of us who have faith, you know, even though we may not have like physical proof that God exists, we have those circumstances in our lives that we can point to and say, I could have never gotten through that without something else holding me up. Mm-hmm. You know, I could have never lived through that. I could have never become what I am today without something greater than me guiding me. Right. And it's so interesting, you know, think what you want about God, believe what you want, really. But I know I can think of multiple people that I'm very close with that have actually been suicidal at one point or another and decided not to kill themselves because of their belief in God. And they believed, you know what, I am infinitely valuable. I'm not going to end my life. God created me almost out of like a respect for God. And you know what? Good thing they didn't because they turned them, their lives around after that. And they love their lives now and they're married and there's, oh my gosh, it's, it's amazing, you know, but so, you know, you're you're more hesitant to say, you know, everyone has to believe what I believe. And maybe you're right in that, but I sure think it's a good idea to believe <laughs> what you believe. Well, and that's, I mean, and again, that kind of goes back to my column. It's like, um, I try to write it with respect to the fact that everybody has different life experiences. Mm-hmm. And yet we have, and, you know, and yet we have very a lot of commonalities and i try to speak to that to our common life experiences with a spiritual element from a, from a spiritual standpoint mm-hmm. and so um i want people to be able to i just want people to be able to live their best life and and i've done that the way i've done it is through you know being passionate about spirituality and 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 in the context of my catholic faith you know mm-hmm. and um but also learning from other traditions. I don't think we should just shut, you know, even, um, you know, the church teaches that, you know, they emphasize being ecumenical and learning from other traditions. It doesn't mean we have to say that, you know, throw away our Catholic faith and say, well, this is what I believe in now. But I think there's there's wisdom we can learn from from different um traditions and oh absolutely you know there's wisdom wisdom is the key is the key word there right there is um and that's that's a key that's the main aspect of the holy spirit is learning wisdom and and that's really i guess when it comes down to it the bottom line is that's what i'm trying to do is trying to write from um maybe the wisdom that i've learned through life and the wisdom that i that i gained from um, scripture and sacred reading and things like that. So I think that's, yeah, I mean, I think that's what the world needs right now is to learn from wisdom, to, to live from wisdom. Right. And um, not from all the different cultural voices that are telling us, you know, this is the way to do it and this is the way. No, wisdom wisdom stands the test of time. Hmm. True wisdom. A theme of our conversation so far has been the importance of being receptive and aware of the presence of God, learning and trying to figure out what he's saying, what he's trying to teach you, etc. And speaking of the being receptive to the presence of God and the theme of writing, you actually have a poem right in front of you that you would like to read, if I understand correctly, that kind of talks about the presence of God and being receptive 
to that. And I, you read a little bit of it to me uh, before we started recording. I thought it was beautiful, but would you mind maybe reading some of that? Oh, absolutely. Um, Mary Oliver is, she's deceased now, but she's one of my favorite poets. And um, I know she's a favorite of, of many, many people out there. And most of her poetry was written. She, she went out into nature and she just observed nature and she wrote from that and she learned from that and she was able to find God in that and, and express it in her own way. And as we kind of talked, um, her poetry speaks in a lot of different levels. There's a lot of aspects to it, kind of like a kaleidoscope, I guess. So um, this is one of her most famous poems and it's called The Summer Day. And this is by Mary Oliver. Mm. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down. Who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? That's beautiful. And now what does that speak to you? Well, it speaks to me on a couple of levels. First of all, um, I mean, she's talking, she's focused in on this grasshopper. You know, everything like down to the smallest blade of grass speaks of God's grandeur, like we talked about. Um, the world is charged with the grandeur of God, like Gerard Manley Hopkins. And and it's just kind of that whole sacramental theology in the Catholic tradition of how creation um, points to to the reality of God. But here she's focusing on the grasshopper. So it's it's kind of like, you know, my philosophy or whatever you want to call it is is paying attention to the world around us, paying attention to each uniquely created you know, how each of our fingerprints are unique, how each snowflake is unique and just how everything is interconnected and how if the world, if the planet Earth was tilted just a little bit, none of life would exist and all those kinds of things. Mm. So it's, it's paying attention to all of that and, um, and learning from it as she, she kind of pointed out that <clears throat> the, the grasshopper, um, when she was eating, she was moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down. Well, you know, we're not used to that, but here God had created this grasshopper to do it that way for his for whatever reason. But the other thing too is um the other reason this poem really speaks to me is is of course that last line, the last two lines when she says, mm-hmm. "Tell me what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life?" I love that line. I know. And you know, having gone through the depression and the anxiety and things like that, you really do realize um, like I said, if you're open to it, you realize how precious life is. And and again, you know, I am going to be 50 next in a week and a half. And that comes with a whole new awareness of your mortality. Mm-hmm. You know, you start to realize what you start to think, you know, what I want to do before I die. You know, I, I 
there's no messing around now, you know? And um, so you get very intentional about what you want to do. And so her poem speaks to me on that level in the sense of this whole thing about, um, you know, spirituality and um, spiritual writing and recognizing um, God among us, um, which is, you know, the meaning of the word Emmanuel, which was another name for Jesus, God with us, um, doing all that and modeling it and hoping that other people can learn from that is what I want to do with one, with my one wild and precious life. I love that. And Steve Jobs, actually, founder of Apple, he gave a great speech, my favorite speech of all time, actually, Stanford commencement speech 2005. And he said something along the lines of, remembering that I am going to die is the best way I know of avoiding the trap of thinking I have something to lose. And that means he's willing to take risks and all in pursuit of doing the most good he can possibly do. And now Steve Jobs, I'm not saying he's a saint or anything, at least maybe he's in heaven, who knows, but uh, he's not canonized or anything like that. But the words are still profound. And it's, yeah, remembering that you're going to die. It's like, all right, this is serious now. What am I going to do with this one wild and precious journey that I have? Well, it'd be a good idea to try to do the most good you can possibly, possibly do. And that's what I always try to remember with myself is, you know, I try to look at what am I good at that I like to do that could also be of value to the world around me and pleasing to God. And that seems like that's what you're doing with your writing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of my key questions through life has been, you know, what do you want me to do? And I've gone back (laughs) and forth and, and there's a, there's a great book by Parker Palmer called let your life speak. And it's kind of got a double, the title kind of has a double play on words if you read it, but it, it, it's more about not letting not so much as letting, you know, going out and doing all this good, but having your life tell you what you're here to do. So if you look back, you know, I've always been interested in writing and reading. That's, you know, if you, God gives us those gifts and, you know, those things that um, people tell us that, wow, you're really good at that. You know, you're whatever it is, cooking, you know, writing, whatever, um, healing, being a nurse or whatever. Wow, you're really good at that. And you, the more you hear that from people, that's that's a good um, indicator of what what you're here to do, you know. Mm. And um, so, I, I like that. Yeah, that's some sound advice, actually. Yeah, and you know, just like we have our own unique thumbprint, we all have our what I guess you could call it all our own unique soul print. In that, um, we're each here for a unique purpose, and. And spending time in that silence and solitude, listening, um, you know, I, th- I don't know if I mentioned it or not, but silent and listen have the same yes, words. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then, you know, if you if you make time for that and intentionally put the distractions away, eventually you will come to, a, you, you, will, you will slowly reach your goal, slowly, slowly reach the reason for your one wild and precious life. Mm-hmm. And what you were saying, you said, I just, it kind of just clicked for me. You said the word listen and S-I-L-E-N-T, they ha- they're made up of the same letters. Yes. That's yes. incredible, actually. How did I not know that? Well, I yes. just had to write it down. I'm like, wow. Okay, I guess that's that's correct. The exact same letters. Yep. Wow. 
Interesting. The person who came up with those words in the English language had to know what they were doing. I I, I guess, you know, I guess <laughs> <laughs> kind of the same way with uh, the word dog being God spelled backwards. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm that's a, a stretch. I'm here. a big dog fan, so I don't know. I have to. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, Gerilyn, I mean, we need more time, honestly, but for right now, we'll have to have you back on again. This has really been a great conversation, and I just want to say, you know, we're glad to have you in two different ways. I'm glad to have you on the show, but also you made it through a serious bout of anxiety and depression and you did it with faith you did it with a lot of things i mean there's you probably had the help of family and etc cetera, etc cetera. but i'm glad that you're still around because a lot of people don't make it through something like that so truly from the bottom of my heart thank you for the conversation and it's a joy to be talking with you today thank you so much paul this has been a wonderful experience and i really i hope and look forward to doing it again Right on. All right. Well, thank you everyone so much for tuning into Catholic Conversations. I'm your host, Paul Garcia. Also, check out my show, The Paul Garcia Show, on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, where I talk to remarkable people just like Gerilyn. And this is Gerilyn Zavada, the current author of the newspaper column, Spirit Matters. Thank you again so much, and thank you, everyone. God bless, and have a great week. You've been listening to Catholic Conversations. Download our podcasts at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Radio, changing hearts and minds. I started listening to the Catholic Radio a few months ago. I guess I'm a little hypocritical right now because I'm not Catholic, and it just makes my day go by so much faster. I love the spiritual family that you have. I just think it's so awesome. Catholic Radio, changing hearts and minds. My Protestant church family, we are pro-life. But there's something more that I'm getting from Catholic Radio and the teaching and the discussion. And I've learned so much. Catholic Radio, changing hearts and minds. I've been listening to Catholic Radio for about a year now. I am a Protestant. I have learned so much. I voted for life in this election because I was listening to Catholic Radio. 